Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi guys, Dr. Mina here from The Skin Reel, and I am really excited to be here today. And all this week, I am going to be talking about postpartum skincare and the skin changes that occur during your postpartum or what some people call your fourth trimester, which of course happens after the baby is born. But when you still quite aren't back to where you started pre-pregnancy, and this is not something that's talked about all that much. We talk a lot about pregnancy changes and what goes on in that phase and those trimesters, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about the fourth trimester and the skin changes that occur then. So all this week, I will be talking about postpartum skin changes, what you can expect when you're no longer expecting. And this is, of course, near and dear to my heart. As someone who has two children, I have also experienced these skin changes firsthand. And a lot of my friends and patients have gone through this or are going through this. So I hope that it is helpful and beneficial to all my listeners out there who either are struggling with some postpartum changes or potentially will be in the future. Now, postpartum, this is the period after the baby is born. And like I said before, a lot of people are calling this the fourth trimester because we are understanding and learning that it's not like your body just snaps back into its pre-pregnancy state. You may not be pregnant anymore, but your hormone levels are still not back to quote unquote normal, or I should say your pre-pregnancy status. And there's still a lot of changes going on in your body from the result of being pregnant for 40 weeks. So it's important to know it took your body 40 weeks to create this new life, and it's going to take time for your body to adjust to its new normal and to return to its 
pre-pregnancy state or to rather its new post-pregnancy state, right? Now, our bodies are amazing. The skin is amazing. It is incredible to think that you can grow another human being inside of you and give new life. And it is amazing and wonderful, but not everything about it is desirable. And there certainly are some things that change with your body and talking about it, I think, is the first step so that women know when these things occur to them that you are normal. There is nothing wrong with you. And even though we don't talk about it, these are normal changes that happen. So what are some of the common skin things that happen in the postpartum period? So number one is that a lot of women develop what is called telogen effluvium. And this in layman's terms is when it seems like all your hair is falling out at once. Now, as if being sleep deprived and exhausted is not enough, now your hair is falling out and it can be really distressing and can be very significant. I definitely experienced this during the postpartum period, especially along my temples. And I would get in the shower and I would just have clumps and clumps of hair coming out all at once. And during pregnancy, I had this beautiful, luscious, thick, long hair, and all of a sudden it was all falling out. Now, because I'm a dermatologist, I was aware of this change and I knew what to, I knew to expect it and I knew it was normal, but I can absolutely see how it could really be shocking and devastating for someone who isn't aware that this is normal and that this could occur. So telogen effluvium is basically a response to the changing estrogen levels in the body. So when you're pregnant, your estrogen and progesterone levels are very, very high. However, after you deliver the baby, those levels drop and they can drop pretty quickly. And what happens is estrogen had been preventing your hair from entering into the resting phase, which is called telogen. However, when those estrogen levels drop, it can seem like all the hair on your head is switching into that telogen phase and subsequently falling out. And this can actually go on for several months. It also can be pretty alarming because typically during pregnancy, women's hair grows very long, their hair is very thick, their nails grow very strong. And so this can be in stark contrast to that beautiful hair you had for nine months. Now it's all falling out. And while it typically occurs on the scalp hair, that's where people mostly notice it. And of course, it's the most distressing, I would say, for women. It can occur on any hair. And telogen effluvium actually can occur for a number of reasons. I know people who got it after having COVID, and you can also get telogen effluvium after a big life stressor, perhaps a divorce, or even a wedding, or having cancer, or a big surgery. So big life events and stressors can induce telogen effluvium, but particularly after pregnancy, this is due to a drop in estrogen levels. The good news is that you are really not losing hair. You just are losing hair that you should have lost earlier. 
So it's not like male pattern balding or what we call androgenetic alopecia, where you truly are losing your hair and your hair follicles are getting smaller. This is just sort of a delay. The hair that should have fallen out months ago didn't. And so now it's all falling out at once. The good news is it is completely reversible and you will get all your hair back. Now, unfortunately, I can't promise it's not going to come back gray, but your hair will return with telogen effluvium. It is non-scarring and you are not going to permanently have hair loss. It is reversible. So that's the good news. And I just would encourage anyone going through this or who does go through this to first remain calm and know it's completely normal and it will come back. Now, there are ways to minimize this and make your hair look thicker. So you want to use uh, a shampoo. Don't avoid not washing your hair because washing your hair is not making it fall out, but that's probably when you notice it falling out. But to make sure you wash your hair with a volumizing shampoo, that can really help coat the hair with a protein and make it appear thicker and fuller. And you want to make sure to um, use a gentle conditioner, not a super heavy one that's going to weigh the hair down. And to just use a conditioner really on the ends of your hair rather than from the scalp to the ends of your hair. And that's just a tip really for conditioner, period. It can just make your hair look less weighed down, healthier, and more vibrant. I would recommend avoiding any really tight hairstyles while you're going through telogen effluvium because... Again, it's not necessarily pulling your hair out, but it will make it look more noticeable and thinner if you have a really tight hairstyle. So telogen effluvium, that is one of the most common side effects. It is one of the most common things that happen in the postpartum period. And just know you're not crazy, you're normal, and it really does happen to most women in this period. And it can happen for other reasons too, and men can get this as well. The second most common thing I'm asked about that occurs after pregnancy, but and it can occur other times too, are what we call stria or stretch marks. And these are universally abhorred by people. They hate them. And unfortunately, there's not one good, perfect treatment for these. And it really is trial and error. So let's first start off and break down what are stretch marks. Stretch marks are where the skin has become thinner. And this can occur due to a number of things. But our purposes of talking about postpartum, it frequently occurs because the skin of the stomach has been stretched out to accommodate the growing belly with the baby in it. And it is very natural and our skin is amazing. It's meant to do this. However, for a lot of women, they can develop stretch marks as the breast expand and stretch as well and with gravity. So again, it is very, very normal to develop stretch marks, especially after pregnancy where the skin has been stretched. But people can develop stretch marks even as adolescents when they're having a quick growth spurt. So stretch marks tend to occur when the skin is stretched very rapidly. And also if it stretches 
a lot over a short amount of time. Again, if the skin is stretched very slowly over time, a lot of times it can adapt and modify and stretch marks are not as big of a concern. It's more so when the skin stretches very quickly and over a large area. So think about kids having a very rapid growth spurt they can develop stretch marks. A person who gains a lot of weight very quickly can develop stretch marks, but also the opposite can happen. When someone loses weight very quickly, the skin does not have time to accommodate and you can develop stretch marks. So while gaining weight slowly and losing weight slowly is a great way to decrease the chance of developing stretch marks, it doesn't mean you can't get them. And that's because a huge component of why some people get stretch marks more than others is unfortunately genetics. And we don't fully understand why and what genes exactly. But if your parents and family members, first degree relatives have prominent noticeable stretch marks, there's a good chance that you will as well. So you can try to modify to the best you can. But again, a lot of this simply is genetics. And unfortunately, it's out of your hands. Now, what do you do when you actually have stretch marks? Is there anything we can do that really works? Or are you just kind of stuck? So again, your genetics is number one. Second is trying to have the skin stretch slowly over time. So again, lose weight slowly, gain weight slowly, and you can modify this only as much as you can. There are some things you can't help if you're going to have a growth spurt or not. Once you have developed stretch marks, which are very common after pregnancy, obviously, the good news is a lot of these stretch marks are going to improve on their own. As the skin stretches back into its normal shape, the fibers and elastin fibers and collagen remodel, you can actually see quite a reduction in your stretch marks and they may not be so prominent and they actually may be quite subtle, but this can take weeks to months to really occur. There are some things you can do to help. There are studies that have shown that using products with hyaluronic acid, which is um, great at pulling in moisture and hydrating the skin, that can minimize the appearance of stretch marks, as well as using a topical retinol. So a tretinoin vitamin A derivative can be helpful at minimizing stretch marks. The important thing is that you start it early with more acute stretch marks. We find that you get more improvement with those rather than treating chronic stretch marks that you have perhaps had for years. So the retinol or the tretinoin, if you do have stretch marks, go ahead, rub it on your skin to help thicken the skin, increase collagen, minimize the redness and the appearance of the stretch marks. Now, we don't recommend using these products during pregnancy. So you are going to wait until you're in the postpartum period to use them. And we're not 100% sure if they're safe or not. If you are breastfeeding, most studies show that they likely do not get absorbed and excreted into the breast milk, but you would not want to put the tretinoin on your breast and then nurse your child where your child could come into contact with the tretinoin product. So I think it is safe to use 
as long as the infant's mouth will not be near the skin that it has been applied on. But just know we really don't have great studies on this if you are breastfeeding. So you definitely want to talk to your own dermatologist or GYN if you plan on using a retinol or retinoid on your stretch marks and your breastfeeding. But that has been shown to be effective. Things like cocoa butter, those kind of creams, unfortunately, have not been shown to be effective in either preventing or minimizing stretch marks. So your best bet, of course, hydrated skin always looks better and feels better, but just don't expect it to cure your stretch marks. Now, say you've been doing these topical procedures and they're really not cutting it. What else can we do for stretch marks? And this is where there's a little bit of trial and error and where you are going to want to have a relationship with your dermatologist, try out new things, and just know it may take trying several different modalities to really improve your stretch marks depending on how severe they are, if they're acute or more chronic, and it may take trying a few different things to see what works. There are some products out there. Well, I should say people have tried a number of things for stretch marks from microneedling to using microneedling with PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma. And that has been shown for some people to be quite beneficial as well as using different laser procedures like a fractionated CO2 laser. And some people are even using some of the skin tightening devices, although I don't think those are very beneficial at this time. And the new kit on the block is the microcoring procedure, which while technically off-label, some people are looking at seeing if removing these little microcores of skin can help improve the appearance of stretch marks on the body. So people are definitely looking into this. Researchers, laser developers are looking into this because this is such a universal problem for people and there really is not one or two great treatments for them. So talk with your dermatologist, maybe try out different things, try out microneedling, try out PRP, maybe do some chemical peels or maybe do a fractionated laser and see if any of these give you any benefit. Now, I will say sometimes time, right? It cures all. Well, maybe not all, but time does improve stretch marks. And I think that's because at first, the stretch marks can be really pink, really purple, or what we call violaceous in color, and really, really noticeable. But if you give your body time for the skin to go back to its pre-pregnancy or its new post-pregnancy size, the skin is going to tighten up and contract on its own. And the redness, that pink or that purple color is going to fade with time and ultimately will leave almost like a whitish or slightly lighter than skin color stretch mark. And a lot of times that can blend fairly well with the skin and no additional treatments are, are really needed. Now, if you have a lot of skin laxity and stretch marks, you may be a good candidate for an excision like a tummy tuck. And while this certainly is more invasive and more radical, it really will remove those stretch marks because it is actually cutting them out and cutting any of that loose excess skin that just is not going to bounce back into that pre-pregnancy 
tightness that you had before. So for some women, for some patients, having a tummy tuck can be helpful. And a lot of times in these tummy tuck procedures, they will go ahead and also provide a little extra support to the abdominal muscles that have been stretched and distended during pregnancy as well. So that's something to talk with your doctor and uh, really talk with a plastic surgeon about to see if you are a good candidate for that procedure. But I would recommend waiting, giving your body time to recover from the 40 weeks of growing a tiny human inside you. It takes that long to create a baby and you should give yourself grace and time for your body to bounce into its new normal after you've had the baby. So I wouldn't rush to do really any of these treatments other than maybe the retinol or the hyaluronic acid right off the bat, right at the get-go. Give your skin time to stretch back, to tighten up, and for any redness to fade. By about six months, that's when I think you can start looking at procedures that are a little more invasive if your stretch marks are still bothersome for you. Now, this is technically not a stretch mark, but people do always ask about it. That dark line that goes from your kind of pubis, mons pubis, up to your belly button right in the middle of your stomach. And that dark line is called a linea nigra and it develops during pregnancy. But the good news is it's not a stretch mark and it will fade. But like everything, right? It takes time and you may have a faint hint of it for even months after you have your baby. But just know again, that is totally normal and it will fade with time. And for most women too, your belly button will likely pop back into its pre-pregnancy position as well. For some women, another skin issue that happens after pregnancy during the postpartum period, again, because of the fluctuating hormones that are still not totally back to normal or your pre pregnancy levels is that women can get acne flares and pimples. And again, it is because the fluctuating hormones after having your baby, and you'll want to talk with your dermatologist and, and maybe even your OBGYN, because if you are planning to not have any children for a while, you may want to get on a birth control pill that can actually help with acne. And you may want to discuss that with your GYN and your dermatologist. But there are things we can do to help with that postpartum acne that are safe, even if you are breastfeeding. And it may be as simple as using a salicylic acid wash or benzoyl peroxide wash for your face or using a type of retinol on your skin to help prevent acne. And again, we don't recommend that during pregnancy, but most studies have shown that it is safe, even if you are breastfeeding, as long as the infant is not getting their mouth where you have applied the retinol. But of course, with all of these skin changes, it is really crucial to see a board-certified dermatologist who can really guide you on what are the best steps for 
maximizing your skincare during this important period in your life. And it's easier said than done, but when you have a newborn, it can feel super overwhelming. You are sleep deprived. You're probably not eating very well and maybe not eating as healthily as you should simply because you are so exhausted. And if you're breastfeeding, you may be so hungry, you are eating anything and everything in front of you. But I would just encourage all the listeners out there, especially if you are in this stage of your life, to really focus on your health right now, your physical health, your mental health, and get the support, get the help that you need because it's hard to focus on yourself when you have a newborn at home and you feel like everything has to revolve around them. But it's so important to also take care of yourself and to make sure that you are nourishing your body with as much sleep as you can, a healthy diet, lots of fluids. And this hands down is gonna make your skin healthier and more beautiful. And unfortunately, I think that is the first thing to go when we have little ones as moms is taking care of ourselves and realizing that we need that self-love just as much as our little ones. So for all you new moms out there, best of luck. I'm rooting for you. And if you have any skin concerns, make sure to see a dermatologist and just know that a lot of the skin things that we talked about are completely normal. And the good news is a lot of them minimize or improve significantly as your body returns to its new post-pregnancy status. If you found this episode useful or helpful, please, please share it with a friend and be sure to give it a five-star review so that we can help spread the word about the skin real and real unhyped skincare education and guidance. It's been a pleasure and I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Real. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.